All right, well, good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, 2020 is behind us. We are moving into 2021 um, and hopefully, hopefully into a much different year than we experienced in 2020. Um, so, Happy New Year. Well, this morning we are in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're looking at verses 3 through 14. 3 through 14 this morning. I've entitled this message 10 through 1, and you'll have an understanding of what that means when we get done today. But it is going to be our vision for 2021. 10 through 1. So Colossians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 14. I'm going to read that. We'll pray and then we'll dive into the message this morning. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it, is, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you this morning thankful for this opportunity to gather together as your church. And Lord, we pray that as we walk through this text this morning, as we look at a renewed vision for 2021, that you may strengthen us, you may empower us uh, to accomplish that, as well as, Lord, you may minister to us this morning through your word. Encourage us as we begin a new year, God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, goals, whether they are small or large, everyone has them, and that is especially true this time of year. They're called resolutions or New Year's resolutions. I mean, they're essentially our goals for the next year, what we want to, what we want to accomplish, what we are striving for. And I've, I've set some goals for 2021 like maybe you have. Like most people, one of my goals is to lose some weight. 2020 did a number on me. We went from stocking up on M&Ms to Oreos to ice cream. And then, then the holiday season came in and we had candy and treats. And before I knew it, I'd put on 20 in 2020. Amen. If I were to poll the audience, and poll you at home, I'm sure that, that many of you have that as your goal as well, to lose some weight or maybe to begin working out. You know, this is really a big time for gyms uh, where they get a lot of people who join up. And those are the two most popular resolutions to lose weight and, and to work out. Or 
but there are some others. Maybe you're planning on striking out on your own and, and seeing the end of this pandemic coming. You're, you're going you're to open up a new business or you're going to venture into some sort of new hobby that you might think will make you some money on the side. Or maybe your goal is to finish school or that big project that you've been working on for a while. Maybe you want to read more this year. You plan to read a number of books or, or maybe you want to read through the Bible in 2021. And I would certainly, if you don't have any other goals, that reading through the Bible is one that I would definitely put on your list for you. Maybe you want to downsize. You want to clean out your closets or your garage. We cleaned out one of our closets this last weekend and, and took some stuff back that was just sitting there and, and we ended up doing some anti-shopping. Uh, we made back $80 just with some stuff sitting around. So cleaning out your closets, cleaning out your garage can be worthwhile. Whatever it might be, I'm sure that you have some goals. I'm sure that you have some, some New Year's resolutions in mind. And almost 50% of people make New Year's resolutions every year. 80% of those people believe that they're going to keep their New Year's resolutions, that their New Year's resolutions is in the bag. There's no way at all that they're not going to keep their New Year's resolution that year. But New Year's resolutions are not easy to keep. According to the Washington Post, only 46% of people who make New Year's resolutions actually keep those New Year's resolutions for six months. And you know how many people actually keep it for the whole year? Eight percent. Eight percent. That is a staggering statistic. Only eight percent of people hit their New Year's resolutions, which means that 92 percent of people who make New Year's resolutions fail at keeping their New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions are not easy to keep, so the goals that we set, we have to make them attainable. We must be realistic with the goals that we set. And not only must we be realistic, but we must also have a good foundation upon which to build. And we need other people to help us realize our goals. We need some accountability. And as a church, we need the same. We need a goal for which we are going to strive or we're just going to flounder around like some fish flopping out of water. We also have to be realistic with the goals that we set. We need a, a good foundation as well, and we need other people to help us realize those goals. And as we begin this new year, one of the goals that I have for our church in 2021 is that we would embody what it means to be a gospel-centered church. Now, I know being a gospel-centered church is, is a buzzword. It can en encompass a number of areas, and, and we're going to look at, we're not going to look at every mark of what it means to be a gospel-centered church this morning, but we're going to look at three. We're going to look at those from Colossians chapter 1, the three that I believe are highlighted here in this particular text. And, and as we examine these, I'm also going to roll out our new vision for 2021 that specifically targets one of these characteristics, one of these marks. And so to begin, what does it mean to be a gospel-centered church? Well, when I talk about us being a gospel-centered church, I mean that we are a church that is centered on the good news that Jesus came to save sinners like you and I. We are centered on the gospel. We allow the gospel to, to drive us, to drive how we operate as a church. And centering on the gospel, it, it frees us from, from placing our identity in other things. It frees us up to place our identity in Jesus, as well as it frees us up to believe in, to trust in, to, to rely on and rest in Jesus alone. The good news, the gospel that Jesus came 
to save sinners. And those who center on the gospel realize that there's nothing that they can do to save themselves. No amount of church work, no amount of, of right living, no amount of giving can provide sanctification or salvation. And sanctification is just a fancy word for, for growing to be more like Christ. And the only way we experience salvation, the only way that we experience sanctification is by believing in, by trusting in, by resting in the good news, the gospel that Jesus saves sinners. And that's wonderfully freeing news because it means that that we don't have to keep striving to maintain a self-image that is broken. We can rest from self-salvation and the worry of of, have I actually done enough to, to gain salvation? We can love God for who He is and not what He gives us. You see, being gospel centered then is the opposite of being prosperity centered or or focusing on the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel centers on health and and wealth and material possessions. The end all, be all, the prosperity gospel is prosperity. It's not Jesus. It's not the salvation that that Jesus provides us. Jesus is nothing more than a tool to get prosperity. But prosperity isn't salvation. It doesn't provide us with, the, with identity, the identity for which we long. Prosperity just leaves us empty and wanting more. There's nothing wrong with being prosperous, but, but prosperity cannot hold the sinner. Only Jesus can hold the sinner. Only He can provide us with a true identity and true salvation. Being gospel-centered also involves us being more than, or, or involves more than just fighting for social justice. The social justice gospel centers on social issues. Those who seek to do social justice, they, they seek to end unjust actions and treatment and, and systems. You'll find social justice warriors fighting for uh, and fighting against all kinds of, of social issues, including systemic racism. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that is, that is good. That is, that is right. We should seek to end unjust action. We should seek to end unjust treatment and systems. We should fight against systemic racism. But that cannot be the end-all, be-all of our ministry. The good news, the gospel is not solely centered on justice. To be sure, justice is, is part of the gospel and justice will flow out of the gospel. A heart to, to end these in unjust things should flow out of the gospel. But the gospel centers on Jesus, Jesus' work on our behalf. Being gospel-centered also involves rejecting a progressive liberal gospel. Many in the progressive or or liberal gospel movement deny the inerrancy or the the truthfulness of Scripture as well as they teach that that Christianity is just one of, of many ways that you can experience salvation. But again, the the gospel centers on Jesus, on Jesus' death on our behalf. It teaches us that there's only one way to God, that there are not multiple ways to God. And those who center on the true gospel don't seek to progress into new ways of understanding. Instead, they camp out on God's way of understanding the world, which is found in God's word. And so in contrast to the prosperity gospel, The social justice gospel, the progressive liberal gospel, a gospel-centered church urges its members and those who attend to believe in, to trust in, to rest in Jesus' work on their behalf and to work out of that new identity that they have in Christ. And they do that, the church, 
does that by faithfully pointing their people away from sin and towards Jesus. And the result of, of preaching the true gospel is true conversion. So look at the beginning of verse 12. Paul is speaking to the Colossians here, and he's gone through a number of things, and, and here he's beginning to center on the thanks that they should give and, and why they should give this thanks. And he says, giving thanks to the Father, and look what he has done, here's why. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, the true gospel tells us that we are sinners who have rebelled against God. Because of our rebellion, we deserve God's wrath, but God in His grace and mercy, He, he comes on a rescue mission for us, truly saving us. Amen. See, every time I, I read this verse, I can't help but think about uh, th- this group of, of Navy SEALs who are drop behind enemy lines and they're they're sneaking behind enemy lines to rescue a prisoner of war the image comes to mind because that's what jesus does jesus he he comes he breaks into the kingdom of darkness and then he draws us to himself and in doing so he literally transfers us out of one kingdom the kingdom of of darkness into his kingdom You see, in God's rescue mission, Jesus is the actor. Jesus is the one who comes. Jesus is the one who seeks. Jesus is the one who draws us to himself, who draws us out of the kingdom of darkness and into his kingdom. In Jesus, we are redeemed from God's wrath. We are forgiven. We are released from the bondage of sin and death. And for the first time, we can actually follow Jesus, not just follow him out of, out of self-will or follow him because we want to gain the approval of others or, or follow him because we want something from him, but we can actually follow Jesus because we desire Jesus. And once Jesus draws him to himself, Once he rescues us out of the kingdom of darkness and he transfers us into his kingdom, our affections are changed and we actually desire to follow Jesus. Our desires change so that we no longer desire the things of the world but the things of God. We are no longer self-centered, but now we we are God-centered. But here's the thing, the only way a church is attenders and, and the members will see true change is if the church centers on the true gospel, preaching it so that those who hear it experience true conversion and then experience true change as they learn about and they live out their newfound identity in Jesus. And that reveals that the first mark of a gospel-centered church is that a gospel-centered church preaches the true gospel, resulting in true conversion. And that's certainly one of my goals for us, right? That we would continue to preach the true gospel and in turn, we would see true conversion. And another mark of a gospel-centered church is that a gospel-centered church seeks to please God. In verse 10, Paul prays that the Colossians would be fully pleasing to God. In other words, he prays that they would live lives that that please God. And pleasing God doesn't necessarily result from us just, just trying harder. Instead, it results from us resting in and living out our new identity in Christ. Pleasing God occurs as we live as citizens 
of this new kingdom, the kingdom into which Jesus has transferred us, right? We don't just work harder. We don't just say, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. No, it's, it's living out our new identity in Christ. It's resting in the gospel. It's understanding what Jesus has done for us and how he has changed us. It's living as kingdom citizens. And so how do citizens transferred into God's kingdom live well what does it look like to live lives that are pleasing to God well, in verses 10 through 12 we learn that we please God when we walk in a manner worthy of the God, of the Lord Colossians 1:10 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God you know when it's nice outside my family and I we we like to do things outside when it's cold we're not outside right we're hold up we're inside we're we're near the fire we, we hate being cold but when it's nice outside we we don't like really to be in the house right we want to be outside besides hanging out in our backyard one of the things that we like to do is ride bikes together or or go on a walk around the neighborhood and when we go on a walk around the neighborhood we usually just walk around we usually walk around the block and I think that it goes without saying but but in order to make it around the block we actually have to consistently walk in one direction you see if we took one step forward and then two steps back or we took a couple steps forward and maybe a couple to the side and then you know went back forward again we would never make it around the block we might not ever make it back to our house either See, when you say that you're going to go on a walk, you mean that you are going to consistently walk in one direction. And that same idea applies to the Christian life. We walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and we please Him when we consistently live according to our new identity in Christ. When we embody kingdom values, the kingdom that Jesus has transferred us into, not the kingdom that we transferred ourselves into, not the kingdom that we worked our, our way into, not the kingdom that we bought our way into, not the kingdom that we're using to gain riches, but the kingdom that Jesus has transferred us into. When we, when we please God... Or we please God when we embody kingdom values, living according to God's desires and God's purposes. We also please the Lord when we make it a point to grow in our relationship with Him. And notice what Paul prays at the end of verse 10 for the Colossians. Not only does he pray that, that we would bear fruit, but, but that they would increase in the knowledge of God. You see, our relationship with God grows just like our relationship with a spouse or a friend might grow, right? We have to actually spend time learning about them. We, we have to spend time getting to know them. That's with God as well. That's with Jesus as well, right? Well, we've got to spend time getting to know Him. And we do that by reading His Word. We do that by praying. We do that by coming to worship and, and listening to the Word preached. We do that by getting together with others for Bible study. See, we, we've got to encounter God in order to know God, and we encounter God through God's Word, the Word that He has given us, His Word. And so if we're not reading His Word, if we're not studying His Word, if we're not praying His Word, then how can we know anything about God? You see, oftentimes we, we come to Christ, and we, and we say that we are a believer, but we never pick up God's Word. How can we know who he is? How can we understand how he wants us to live? How can we live out our new identity as, as 
citizens in a new kingdom, a kingdom that Jesus has transferred us into. We can't because we don't know how he wants us to live. And so those who seek to please God, they, they, get, they get to know God. They make it a point to, to grow in their relationship with him. And we also please the Lord when we rely on the Lord to strengthen us. Look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. When we seek God's strength, we are saying that, God, we, we can't do this on our own. But we are relying on him to strengthen us, to empower us, so that we might live as kingdom citizens so that we might embody the gospel, so that we might live in a manner that is consistent with who God is and who Jesus is, so that we might walk out the Christian faith. See, one of our downfalls is that we often rely on ourselves, right? This is what got us in, in trouble in the first place, way back in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? They're relying on themselves. They're relying on what, what they thought would be right. Instead of what God said was right. And we do, we do the same thing. But if we want to get through difficult times with joy, we have to turn to the Lord. We have to allow the Lord to strengthen us. And when we rely on the Lord, when we, when we turn to the Lord, when we seek Him, then we are pleasing Him. Lastly, we please the Lord when we give thanks for our salvation. Look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now don't miss what Paul is saying here. We, are, we have a heavenly inheritance because God has qualified us to share in it. He, he is the one who makes us adequate. He makes it so that we meet the necessary conditions. We don't meet these conditions on our own, in and of ourselves. We meet them because God qualifies us. And how does he qualify us? Well, We've already looked at the verse, but again, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God qualifies us by sending His Son on a rescue mission for us. Jesus works on our behalf, and He provides us with redemption, and He provides us with forgiveness. And because of what Jesus does for us, we are released from the bondage of sin, Satan, and death. And when we recognize that what God has done for us, we should give God thanks. We should praise Him. I mean, He has freely done for us what we could never do for ourselves, and He has no reason to do that. We have done nothing to earn that. We've done nothing to gain that, nor can we do anything to earn or gain our salvation. God has freely given us salvation. Reflecting on God's rescue mission, reflecting on the gospel, reflecting on the gift that God has given us should, should create a sense of gratitude in us. Praise and worship and a desire to, to please God by walking in a manner worthy of the gospel should well up inside of us. When we do that, when we praise God, when we thank Him for the salvation that He has given us, we please Him. We bring Him glory. And not only should reflecting on the gospel create a sense of, of gratitude in us that drives us to please the Lord, but reflecting on the gospel should also create a longing in us to be used by the Lord to bring others to Christ. And that's the last mark of 
a gospel-centered church that we're going to look at today. And then that, that also brings us to another goal, another vision for 2021. A gospel-centered church is a reproducing church. And focusing on verses 4 through 6, we see that the gospel is bearing fruit among the Colossians. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it is also, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The fruit Paul is talking about here not only refers to the Colossians living and acting in a way that, that pleases the Lord, but it also refers to the Colossians reproducing themselves. The church at Colossae was a church that, that made disciple-making disciples. They were a church that reproduced themselves. They were a church that lived on mission, reaching the community in which they lived. That's what a church center on the gospel does. A church center on the gospel reproduces itself and we should desire to reproduce ourselves as well. You see, there are a lot of people out there who, who live in bondage. There are a lot of people out there who are living in the domain of darkness, who are captivated by the world, who are enslaved by their own sin. And having experienced release from bondage, having experienced Jesus' rescue, having been freed from that, to live as new citizens in a new kingdom, to actually live out our purpose in life and to experience joy and, and freedom from having to do it on our own, freedom from wondering, you know, have we done enough? And we should want other people to experience the same. And do you know how Jesus goes on this rescue mission? I mean, certainly... The Holy Spirit works in the heart of men, regenerating them so that they would desire the things of God. But, but Jesus also uses people. You see, we are the hands and feet of Christ in the world. Remember, Jesus has sent us out on his behalf, Matthew 28. And God uses Christians shining as lights in, in the darkness, preaching the gospel to draw people out of that kingdom into his kingdom. We are Holy Spirit-empowered instruments Jesus uses to bring about redemption to the world. We must seek to be used as God's instruments. We must seek to reproduce ourselves. If we don't, then, then we'll die. The most recent statistic I read on churches closing revealed that 3,500 3, U.S. churches close their doors every year. More than 80% of those remaining has plateaued or is declining. And I think the reason why that's happening is, is obvious. Churches are not reproducing themselves. And so because they're not reproducing themselves, they're, they're closing, they're, they're dying, they're plateaued. But the way that we seek to reproduce ourselves can't remain the same as we have done in the past. The way that we seek to reproduce ourselves has to change. You see, we live in a post-Christian world now. The church is no longer at the center of public life, which means that people no longer see a need for the church. Not only that, but, but this post-Christian world has resulted in a pluralistic society. The U.S. Become, has become a melting pot of world religions. And, and on the one hand, that, that's good, right? Because people that, that we could not reach, countries that we could not go to with missionaries because it's a closed country, a lot of those people have, have moved to the United States. They live right down the street from us. 
And so it's good because we can reach people that we may have otherwise not been able to reach. But on the other hand, that means that, that we can't operate as we used to operate. We have to do things different to reach people with the gospel because people have all kinds of options as far as it goes with religion. We can no longer expect people to come to us. We can no longer expect that new styles of worship and fresh expressions of church evangelistic events and, and nice buildings and fun activities will draw people in. As one author says, it's not a question of improving the product and evangelistic events. It means reaching people apart from meetings and events. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we don't seek to improve the product. That doesn't mean that there isn't a place for new styles of worship or fun activities or, or a nice building. I mean, we don't, we don't go and just throw the baby out with the bathwater. It does mean, however, that we've got to figure out a new way to reach folks apart from these things. We can't rely on these things like we used to. We can no longer, you know, we no longer exist in this field of dreams market. You know, you guys have seen that, that movie. If you build it, they will come. That's no longer the case any longer when it comes to the church. We can no longer assume that a church is going to automatically reproduce itself just because it has opened its doors. That used to be the case. People used to see a need for church in society. People no longer see that need. And so what do we do? How do we reproduce ourselves in a post-Christian world? Well, we must operate as a gospel-centered church which means that we have to continue to preach the true gospel so that we will see true conversions. We must seek to please the Lord by living out our newfound identity in Christ, and that will be attractive to other people. They will see a difference in our lives. No wonder, what is, what is going on? Why are, they, why are they facing things so much different than, than I face them? Why are they given to living by this old antiquated book. What, what is there? What is different? They'll see a, a different community of people engaging and, and loving one another in ways that the world doesn't engage and love one another. And that'll be attractive. We must also, as a gospel-centered church, seek to reproduce ourselves. But in seeking to reproduce ourselves, we must change our practice of how? and our mentality of who does the reproducing. You see, we can no longer think of church as a meeting on a Sunday morning. We must think of, of church as a community of people who share life, ordinary life. Nor can we think of mission as just an event that we put on a couple times a year. We have to think of it as happening in, in the everyday life. The bedrock of our mission must be everyday life. We must wake up and realize that we are in a missionary situation. We cannot continue to undertake mission in a pastoral mode. We cannot assume people feel any need or any obligation to attend church at all. We must think like missionaries, which means that we've got to learn the language. We've got to learn the culture. We have to explore how the Bible stories interact with, you know, those around us and in the cultural stories. We must connect with people on a relational level. And that leads to my, my second goal, the vision for the church in 2021. You know, Pastor Ryan and I, we get together every single week. And when we do, we, we study, we talk about the church, we plan, we discuss strategies, we, we pray for you. 
And over the last several months, we've been talking about a strategy. We've been talking about our, our goals, our vision for this next year. And our vision for 2021 is to reach 10 through 1. What does that mean, reach 10 through 1? Well, we're setting a goal to reach 10 new households this next coming year. I'm specifically using the word household because the household can be made up of one person, two persons, it can be made up of a small family, it can be made up of, of a large family. And it's our goal that we would reach 10 new households this next year. For 10 new households to plug in and become members of East Ridge Baptist Church, for 10 new households to support and participate in the gospel ministry of East Ridge Baptist Church, for 10 new households to partner with us to help us reach the community for Christ, for 10 new households to be a part of a gospel-centered church where Jesus, His Word, and His mission is our focus. See, it is our goal, it is our vision that we will reach 10 new households this next year. And we're going to reach 10 through 1. Which means that everyone has to participate. Everyone has to be on mission. Everyone has to be making disciple, making disciples. That's the through one part. You see, Ryan and I, we, we can't do it on our own. Ryan and I and the Sunday school teachers and the deacons can't do it. We all have to participate. We all have to seek to reach one household. We can't expect 10 new households just to walk through the doors because the pandemic ends. Hopefully, Lord willing, in 2021. We have to go to them. We have to engage them. We have to build relationships with them. We have to present the hope of the gospel to them. We have to help them. We have to help those who are already believers see that, that EBC is a place where they can grow and where they can reach the community for Christ. In order for us to reach 10 new households, then every member has to seek to reach at least one household. And so that brings us to the question, who is your one going to be? Who are you going to seek to reach in 2021 with the hope of the gospel? Who are you going to engage? If, if we want to reach 10, then we have to each commit to reaching one. And if we make that commitment, I believe, if we commit to living on a mission, seeking to make disciples, making disciples of, of all peoples, we will reach at least 10 new households this next year. As we begin the new year, then I encourage you, I encourage you to spend some time praying and asking God, who is my one going to be? What household am I going to reach out to? Maybe he gives you more than one. That'd be great, right? But, but at least one. Who is the one that you're going to seek to reach out to? that you're going to seek to build a relationship with, that you're going to begin engaging, that you're going to have over for dinner when that is appropriate, that you're going to invite to study the Bible with you, read through Scripture with you, that you're going to invite to church. You notice that I, I, didn't, I put that last, right? Invite to church last. Because in order for this to work in a post-Christian world in which we live, right, we, we've got to do those other things. We've got to engage people. We've got to build a relationship with them. We've got to study the Bible with them. We've got to let them know that we're there for them. And as we do those things, then hopefully they will come to church with us. Hopefully they will plug in with us. But we've all got to be committed to reaching one household. And once you believe 
who God has shown you you're one, then, then you begin doing that. You begin reaching out to them. You see, our goal for this next year is going to be for us to reach ten through one. And if we seek to reach one, I believe that we will reach ten. As we reach those households, we'll be well on our way to making a difference in this community, to impacting Red Oak for Christ in 2021, to, to being a gospel-centered church, a church that preaches the true gospel and sees true conversions, a church that pleases God, a church that reproduces itself, a church that is centered on and finds hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. And so who's your one? Begin praying this week. And Lord willing, as we discover who our one is, we will reach 10 through 1 in 2021. We'll be a part of the 8% that actually accomplishes our New Year's resolutions. And so who is your one going to be? In a moment, we're going to have a time of response and if you're a believer, if you're a member here of this church, I would, I would ask that during our time of response that, that you pray and that you ask the Lord to begin directing you to your one, to that one household that you can begin reaching out to, to that one household that you can begin praying for, that one household that you can ask the Lord to draw to himself to draw out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and that you would be used as his instrument to reach them. And if you're not a believer here this morning, man, I invite you to rest in Jesus, to rest in him, to believe in him, to quit striving on your own and to turn to Jesus as your Lord and and as your Savior. What what a a better way to, to begin 2021 and to begin it with Jesus, to begin it with the hope of the gospel, and to join with us as we seek to reach 10 through 1 in 2021. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you this morning thankful for the opportunity, Lord, to gather together as a church, even in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of a spike in this pandemic, And Lord, we pray now, Lord, that that you would put an end to this pandemic in 2021, that you would also allow us to accomplish our goal in 2021, to reach 10 through 1. Lord, we ask, God, that you would begin showing us who our one is, even today, even even here as we have a time of response, as we begin begin to pray. Help us, Lord. Use us as your instruments to reach them, to reach them for your glory, to reach them so that they might have hope, so that they might experience release from bondage as well. And Lord, we pray today, if there's anyone here, anyone watching who doesn't know you, Lord, that that you might use this message today, that you might use the hope of the gospel that people have heard today to transfer them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Lord so that they might have hope as they begin 2021. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.